It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. We all have strengths and weaknesses, and while improving certain weaknesses are important, we generally want to lead from and with our strengths. We'll discuss that in our Thought of the Day. And later in today's interview, sales teacher extraordinaire Anthony Inarino on how our strengths apply to sales success. I thank you for joining us. I don't really follow boxing much anymore, but taking a quick break from a recent writing project, I put on the television and caught a fight. Both terrific young fighters, mainly equal in skill, both had a good inside game, but one of them had the better jab, and that was the difference maker. You see, with a good enough left jab, with a southpaw it would be a right jab, you can virtually control the fight. You can keep a charging opponent away, you can drive your opponent back. You can protect yourself just by virtue of having a leather fist in your opponent's face, and you can set up the next punch you want to throw, whether a hard right, a left hook, or a shot to the body. The jab is the fundamental punch in boxing. The greats, from Willie Pep to the recently departed Muhammad Ali, from Sugar Ray Leonard to Manny Pacquiao, all had great jabs. Yes, there have been the champs who didn't, typically the shorter sluggers, but they were few and far between. So what does all this have to do with sales and with life in general? We all have a fundamental punch, so to speak. Our personal left jab. That, as Mike Littman calls it, that asset of value we bring to the table that establishes the frame from which all good things proceed. Of course, our jab doesn't harm the other person, but rather it helps them in every way that a sales professional helps their customers and clients, or one human being helps another. Your left jab, or main strength, might be your warm smile that immediately sets others at ease and opens them to your ideas. Perhaps it's your natural or developed sense of empathy that communicates understanding of their feelings. Maybe it's your obvious interest in them as human beings and how you can be of service. It might be your ability to ask questions that draw out information, helping you to help them obtain what it is they want or need from the relationship or transaction. Whatever your jab is, keep working on it, practice it, refine it. It's a big part of what makes you you. You might not think it's a big deal, but it sets you up for success in all your relationships, both business and personal. So what is your left jab? Did you come by it naturally? Did you have to work hard to develop it? Perhaps both. And the final question, do you help others in your life understand and develop their jab so that they can help more people as well? In our interview with Anthony Inarino, we'll look at how this concept applies specifically to the selling process. And that's coming up right after this. Are you a successful entrepreneur or sales professional, but you know you have the potential for even greater sales success? Reality is, most entrepreneurs, small business owners, and corporate salespeople aren't nearly as successful at selling as they could be. Fortunately, it need not be that way for you. Join me, along with my brilliant business partner and strategist, Kathy Tejanel, for two days in Orlando, Florida, and attend our Go-Giver Sales Academy, 
GoGiver Sales Academy will help you communicate more value to your customers, reach more people with your exceptional value, sell at full price, become objection-proof, and embrace the abundance that's your birthright. You'll work personally with Kathy and me in a small, mastermind-like environment. These workshops are limited to only 12 people, so it'll be impactful and transformational. Learn more at GoGiverSalesAcademy.com and see what others are saying. Click the link in the show notes. Remember, money is an echo of value. Back with us, our old friend, Anthony Inarino. I've said this before. He is the man I consider to be today's leading sales authority. Uh, Anthony is a hugely successful entrepreneur. He has such an amazing understanding of sales, of human nature, and really the right way to provide value to those he serves. His new book, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need from Portfolio, is coming out October 11th. You'll want to be sure and pre-order as soon as it's ready. I got to read the manuscript. It's truly a game changer. Meanwhile, his blog is a must-read for those of us who are students of sales. You can subscribe to that by visiting thesalesblog.com, and that, of course, will be in the show notes. Anthony, welcome, my friend and brother. Thanks for having me back, Bob. Good to see you. I, I get to watch you because we're on Skype. And you speak like a speaker. Your hands are moving, your facial expressions. It's like I'm getting to watch the show. Yeah. I'd also be a terrible poker player, right? My expressions just give away everything I'm thinking, right? They do. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's discuss, as it relates to sales, leading with your strengths. Uh, we have weaknesses. We have strengths. Some weaknesses we need to mitigate. Some we, we can improve upon a little bit. Others we need to change into strengths. But when it comes to effectiveness, we lead with our strengths, don't we? We should. We don't always, but we should. And that's sometimes because we don't know what our strengths are. Mm. And sometimes we don't know what they should be in the particular type of sales that we're making. So the, the, the thing that I would say is that there are some salespeople who will do tremendously well in some area of sales and then fail miserably in some other area of sales, even though it's the same person. Ah. And their strengths may not lend themselves to that type of sale that they're making. Okay, so we have some people who bring what an old friend of mine, Mike Littman, used to call their assets of value to the table, that which allows them to best serve the marketplace. Some have a, a very natural or even well-developed sense of empathy. They can understand their prospects, feel, or if not the exact feelings, they understand their prospect is feeling something that's distressful, and they can work through it. They communicate an understanding of the other's feelings, if you will. Uh, some have a, a, a very much a technical ability that helps them in the sales process, if that's the type of sale it is. Others are great connectors. They can build a team around them, as Tim Sanders talks about, uh, in his great new book, um, Deal Storming, uh, Deal Storming, which was fantastic. So what are some of the strengths, Anthony, that you've noticed certain salespeople bring to the, the table? And first, let's look at it in the way that it works. I'll take you back to 1988. And Neil Rackham wrote a book for McGraw-Hill called Spin Selling. Uh, one of my favorites. And, and, and spin is this acronym, right? It's situation right. questions, problem questions, implication questions, and need payoff questions. And it's a great framework because most salespeople didn't understand to compel change, I have to at least get to implications. And what, what his research showed, though, 
wasn't necessarily about spin. So the book is is instrumental in being a great salesperson and asking great questions, especially implications. But it's the three pages before that that actually gets you to the most interesting part of the book. And that part of the book says that there were two things that his research following 35,000 salespeople on sales calls showed. The first thing was closing behaviors tend to work against you in a deal if the deal is big, complex, expensive, and risky. So the more you were taught always be closing, if the deal's a big deal, always be closing is going to actually make it more difficult for you to win. Well, that's a horrible, and and I, I hope everyone listening anyway Sees, and that was most uh, the always be closing ABC. Uh, Alec Baldwin made that famous in uh, Glengarry Glen uh, Ross. Glengarry Glen Ross, which is absolutely a a horrible way to even see selling. And I and so I, I just want to make sure everyone listening to this knows that anyway that that's regardless. <laughs> but uh, on small deals where there's no real risk for the buyer, it's not strategic. It's strictly transactional. Mm-hmm. Closing behaviors serve you pretty well. And the more you ask for the business and the more you overcome objections or resolve concerns, the, the better you do. And so there's these certain skill sets that develop that serve you in different kinds of sales. So when you're buying something and it's cheap and there's no great risk for you and there's no great insight necessary and it's not strategic, just empathy, being known, liked, trusted, all these things that work on a big sale too, that's probably enough. Because you can just help them transact and help them get what they need and make sure that they have their concerns addressed and ask for the business. So the kind of skills that you need there tend to be what I would call level one skills. And I don't mean level one as in they're not important. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. We've been prospecting. We've been closing or asking for commitments in the language I use. And we've been telling stories and presenting and giving people the reason to object and give us concerns. We've been doing that for thousands of years since people started selling things to each other. But then there are more complicated skills where your empathy and your trust needs to grow even more, and leading with that becomes even more valuable. So when risk goes up and the strategic outcome goes up, and there's different kinds of value that can be created, and we can negotiate around how much value we get to capture— the negotiating skills and the ability to relate to somebody and understand their needs and show them the trade-offs that they're making becomes an even greater skill set to lead with. Mm -hmm. Let me take us up one more level to frame this up. Right now, and you read the book so you know that I have higher level skills like business acumen, change management, leadership. Now we're getting into a different place that a person has to lead from. I have to lead with insight if that's my great strength. Because I need to be the trusted advisor. I need to be a consultant. I need to understand the way that your business works, the way that my business works, the way the general economy works, so that I can give you the insights to help you navigate this complex sale. And I need to understand how to get your organization to change, which means I need great empathy skills. I need great negotiating skills. I need to help people make trade-offs when the change means they're not going to get exactly what they want, but we need them to come along anyway. So the skills start to change. So what you're leading with is, is, and you know this, Bob, from from the work that you do, it's contextual. It depends on the situation. And so Mm -hmm. some people's skills lend themselves to some situations more than others, which means if I'm not great at empathy, well, my my opinion of that is that you're going to have a tough time all along this continuum, regardless of what the deal is. Right. If, you, if you're not other-oriented and you decide to be self-oriented, you make selling really hard. Sure. 
But if if you look at this and you say, what am I selling? Is it is it something where the concerns are easily resolved and I really need them to know me and to know my product and to know how to help resolve their concerns? You're going to lead that way. And if it's something where it's big, risky, strategic, and expensive, you're going to lead with insight to build the trust save the knowledge to actually help somebody get the outcomes that they want. So someone who, let's say, is selling a, a uh, low-risk item, and it might be a, a hundred, a couple hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars, you don't necessarily, you have to be able to present, you still have to be able to ask the right questions to be able to understand the other sure. person's needs, wants, and desires. You can, you can answer questions and objections, you can ask for the order, you can close. And again, there's nothing wrong with clo- closing as a natural part of the process when it's done correctly. What I was referring to earlier is the always be closer, you know, the yeah. pressure, which is still, but you can get away with that, it's fine. Uh, when it's a, a low commitment type of thing. But those kind of skill sets, that kind of strength isn't enough is what you're saying when you get into the what's called the enterprise sale or the yes. that's when you have to have first you have to have more technical skills. You you have to actually know unless you can partner with someone who, you know, who has those skills. Uh, but it's really a whole different so so as a let's say as a sales manager or a sales leader, how do you take someone who maybe had a, a great track record as a uh, as the first type of salesperson, level one, as you you talked about, and now you know they have maybe potential to be a, a great part of your team in a much more complex sale. How do you work with that person? Do you? Can you? How how does that? Well, happen? yes, you can. And so th- this is probably one of the biggest gaps that big companies have is that they think because they have sales on their resume, I can put them into another slot without understanding what they're missing. And so the book, uh, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need that you were kind enough to point to at the beginning of this is really, it's 17, it's 19 chapters, but it's 17 chapters that basically spell out the different attributes and skills a salesperson needs. So you have a lens to look at this through to say, what are they missing? And now when you, you get into big, complex enterprise sales, resourcefulness tends to be a great attribute and really thoughtful people who can create new ideas and new ways to get things done and mm-hmm. solve problems. If that's the, what you're good at, that's a great place to lead from. It's just, I have the ability to help figure it out. And, uh, and if you don't know that they're missing resourcefulness, then how do you coach them? And let me make one other split here too, as, as we talk about this, because there are different roles that people can play in sales now too. You can be a great account manager because you've got great empathy, you're super resourceful, you're very proactive, you take initiative, but you hate prospecting and there's no way you can ever pick up the phone and call a stranger. If I introduce you and say, Bob, I want you to meet this person, you're great, but if you're a stranger, you're, you're not going to ever feel confident opening that relationship. Account management's a great role for you, but being a hunter, that's not a great role for you. And there are sales organizations that are set up to say there are different people with different skills that they like these things. We're going to let them lead with that. Mm -hmm. If you're a great prospector, you're great at opening relationships, you've never met a stranger. By the time you have a plane ride from uh, New York to Charlotte, you've got the other person's business card and you've got a date for coffee. If you're that kind of person, you're in the right role. But I put you in a different role, you're not necessarily going to have the same success. So what I would tell you is that if you're a manager and you have to help people, you need to say, what are they missing? And then mm-hmm. you have to give them what they need to succeed. So this is how uh, I indict big companies say they need to develop that. No, you need to help them develop it. So if they need business acumen and they need to know how to create value and they need to know how to do it in a bigger sale, 
you've got to provide them with a set of experiences that they can start to grow and get that into their body. Because selling is like swimming. You can read all the books about swimming and still dive into the ocean and drown. It's not enough to read the books. You have to get into the shallow end and start figuring out how to move your body through the water. And selling very much works like that. You you have to learn it by experiencing it and feeling it and saying something and then watching your prospective customer's expression on their face change because selling is the one place where we're getting immediate feedback on how we're doing, right? I mean, you can actually see that ain't working. Uh, and and you get a chance to learn these things, but you don't get to do it unless you get to mimic other people and see what they're doing and learn these things. And it happens through osmosis by giving people these experiences. Anthony Arino, the only sales guide you'll ever need, published by Portfolio, coming out October 11th. Uh, meanwhile, the sales blog is just a fantastic resource for any any student of sales. I recommend it highly. The sales blog. Dot com. It will be in the show notes. Uh, we'll have you on again. I hope you'll come back. I'm saying we'll have you. I hope you'll come back uh, As, uh, with us. Uh, absolutely. Anytime. You name it and I'm here. Uh, thank you so much. The main lesson I learned from Anthony is that while principles of selling are congruent across the board, different personal strengths are more productive than others, according to the type of sale and industry in which you're involved. If you're a sales professional, are your strengths a match in this regard? If you're a sales manager, is that something you look at when bringing someone onto your team, regardless of their past performance? Please feel free to write to me at bob at berg.com and let me know. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. Remember, the go-giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit thegogiver.com and check out the new expanded edition of the book. And check out John David Manns and my new book, The Go-Giver Leader. We hope you enjoy the book and find it to be of value. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review. And your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.